Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of all. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. And Lord, we ask that you would just grace us today as we approach, as we study your word. Lord, that you would just teach us, that you would challenge us, that you would change us. And Lord, that you would remind us of all that you've said, all that you've done, and who you've created us to be. Bless our time together, Lord. Anoint it and guide us through this passage, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, as we begin, the background to our text is looking back at chapter 10. Chapter 11 is going to have two specific movements. The first 18 verses are going to be as Peter retells the story of what's happened in chapter 10 to the elders in the church of Jerusalem. And then the last 12 verses are going to deal with the growth of the church among the Gentiles, specifically at the church of Antioch. Remember Peter, as Peter is retelling his story, he's really telling how Cornelius's um, salvation, baptism in the Spirit and water came about. And so he's sharing that the Gentiles and all the believers in his house became Christians as he entered their house. And he shares the dream that he had. Remember the dream where this sheet comes out of heaven. Before this, the church had grown to over 5,000 or 10,000 people with the Jewish people, but it really had not spread much to the Gentiles. Philip had gone out and ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, They had gone down to the Samaritans and ministered there. But really the gospel and the work of the church pretty much still was centered around Jerusalem. And then it's at the stoning of Stephen that things are starting to start move outward to really fulfill Jesus' command after they received power to go out into the world around. So with that, Peter is sharing the dream, and he's going to share the dream. Remember the dream that this large sheet descends out of heaven, and there's animals from every kind of that walk the earth. They're unclean, and the voice comes out, kill and eat. And uh, Peter says, no, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. And so the dream is repeated three times. And with that dream, it's really God moving and telling Peter what to do, but also moving the gospel out into the nations around. So let's begin by reading our text, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. We're in the book of Acts. And the text says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision took issue with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men's house and ate with them. So the report from Caesarea has gone out, and the reason for the retelling of this is to prepare the way for the move of the Spirit among the Gentiles in the church of Antioch. This is key, both Peter appearing before the leaders in Jerusalem, 
but then also the fact of just Luke is going to share how the gospel began to spread throughout the Roman world. So the leaders, specifically those of the circumcision, those that required circumcision to be saved, uh, heard that the nations, that the peoples other than Jews had received the word of God. And they were upset with the news in the sense that they didn't understand, they felt that everyone had to become a Jew to believe, but also they were alarmed at Peter's behavior. Um, They believed that the Gentiles were ceremonial, unclean, and needed to become Jews before being admitted to the church. So not only believing in Jesus as the Messiah, but receiving the law and living by the law as well as what they felt was needed. And again, Paul's going to take up with this issue later in chapter 15, but also Peter has to stand and just share what God has done in and through him. And they were judging Peter then because not only did he go into an unclean, a Gentile home, but he also ate with them and stayed with them for a couple of days. So with this, Peter is going to respond for the next 14 verse or the next 10 verses of what has happened. So let's read verses 4 through 14. And the scripture says, But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in order in an orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, and I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet, lowering by the four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and I was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and all the wild beasts and all the crawling creatures and the birds of the sky, everything unclean. And I heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean is ever entered in my mouth. He's saying, I've always observed the laws of purity and kept the Jewish law. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying and having been sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak to you the words by which you and will be saved, you and your household. So again, Peter almost in a sense is being put on trial for ministering to the Gentiles, for eating with the Gentiles, and for defiling himself. And so Peter is going to go back and just share the story of how this happened. Because just Peter's response to the vision of by no means, Lord, says that he really was living as a Jew and he wanted to keep himself pure by the Jewish law before the Lord. 
And so the Lord had to challenge this in his life, his own prejudices, to be able to enable him to go out and minister to the Gentile. Because remember, the gospel is for all people. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, the Lord says to Abraham, in you all the nations will be blessed. And so there is a promise that through the seed of Abraham and his children and their family, that the world would be blessed. And the ultimate blessing, of course, is salvation in the name of Jesus. So Peter um, goes into this trial, and he had to defend himself by sharing the events that preceded him entering into the house of Cornelius. And as he shares the vision that he had and the interaction with it, he begins to tell them, right after that, I had the vision from the Lord, and then immediately three people were at the gate asking for me just to confirm the matter of what God was speaking to me, that he had called me to go with these Gentiles in order to minister to Cornelius. And then the Holy Spirit commanded him as these people were calling for him at the gate. He says, I have sent them. Do not doubt and do not uh, make distinctions or do not discriminate against them, but go with them. And so Peter, I don't know if reluctantly, but definitely in obedience to the Lord, isn't that something for you and I? that when the Lord calls us to do, he doesn't always want us to completely understand it, but he wants us to trust him and to obey him. And so Peter, with the vision, with the word of the Holy Spirit, with the men entering the gates, he simply followed the Lord, even though he didn't understand it. It challenged his belief system, but he obeyed and followed. And then the Lord is going to confirm these things as he enters into the house of Cornelius, and Cornelius begins to share with him the encounter that he had with the angel. And as the angel encountered him, the angel told him to send to Joppa for Simon Peter. So it just confirms the whole issue in his heart and mind, but also it confirms to Cornelius that God was in the vision that he received. And so the angel said, Peter will bring the words by which you are saved. Cornelius was a reverent man, gave to the Jewish people, but he didn't know Jesus. And so Peter's response is to share Jesus with him. So let's read verses 15 to 18 as we continue in our text. The scripture says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he used to say, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, his God has gave to them the same gift that he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they began to quiet down and glorify God. Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So Peter again is going to share now 
not only that he entered into this man's house, that he received the vision that this man had and understood why the Lord called him to this, but he's going to begin to share with them the message that he was sharing, but also the response of the Holy Spirit and Cornelius and all the people that were with him. So he says, as I started to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them in the beginning, as on us in the beginning. And what he's referring back to is to the day of Pentecost where the gift of the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They had the tongues of fire over them. They spoke in new tongues. There was a great gathering and ingathering of over 2,000 people, 3,000 people came to know the Lord in that day. And Peter was saying, before I even fully shared the message that I intended to share, that the Holy Spirit fell on them. I didn't even lay hands on them. They didn't get baptized in water before they received the Holy Spirit. They didn't even confess that Jesus was Lord before they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was something that happened deep within their hearts, and the Spirit's evidence on them clearly declared that they had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior and believed the message that Peter was in process of preaching them. And in Peter's mind, he just says that that which God did confirmed that it was a move of God and they received the same spirit we did. And that is why then that Peter had them baptized with water. Because it says, as we go make disciples, who shall baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he carried out the word of God. So the key point here is Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptized Cornelius and his household. And Peter says, what can I do? Can I stand in God's way because of my own rules and regulations and fears? He said, absolutely not. It was the hand of God. Really what Peter is saying, that it is God himself that is responsible for what happened here. And so as he shares this, the word says that the elders are those that were specifically challenging this They quieted themselves down and they began to glorify God, acknowledging that it was God's plan all along, that it was his plan, that it was not Peter's disobedience, but that Peter was simply an instrument in the hand of the Lord. And family, isn't that key for you and I? Beyond our understanding, submitting our hearts and allowing Jesus to love people through us is such a key element of our faith. We are alive unto our God, we are ministers unto our God, and we are moving forth, always available at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And remember, Peter was on the roof just praying to the Lord, and he had to respond to that encounter that he received with the Lord, with the vision. And through that vision directed him to a time of seeing the Gentile nations begin to know the Lord, the same Lord that filled him with the Holy Spirit, is now filling them with the Holy Spirit. As we receive Jesus and baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a life transformation there that cannot be stopped, and it continues to grow. So the elders' response then is that God is granted to the Gentiles, to the nations, they called them the goyim, the dogs, but to the nations to have faith that leads to life or repentance that leads to life. So they could not deny it was God himself and the discrimination that they had had to end. 
So concluding thoughts on the first 18 verses. God's purpose then through what we read in the text, chapter 10, chapter 11, is to truly expand the gospel from just being something that is happening in Israel among the Jewish people and among the proselytes to reaching out to the nations, to the world, and to the Gentile peoples. Remember Jesus' word, you shall receive power, then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the whole world. The disciples did obey, but there were key disciples that obeyed, but some of them then held back and they needed more struggle. Like Peter, Peter struggled and it seems like even Paul confronted him later that he had been eating with the Gentile and when men from James came, he began to draw himself back that even he and Barnabas held themselves aloof from the Gentiles and began to exclude themselves from fellowship with them. So Peter in his life struggled with that. He was deeply devoted to his national roots, and it was hard for him to reach out to other people. But we also find that many of the disciples did follow the Great Commission and follow the Lord's order to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the remotest parts of the world. But for the Jewish Christian church, they did not. They simply went to the Jews, and verse 19 again is going to uh, verify that. Um, The cultural barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles were deep, and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem really made no effort to evangelize non-Jews at this point. So just a biblical thought. Why do we only read then about mainly Peter and Paul, well, one, it was written by Luke, and he was in relationship with them and knew their ministry well. But also, we find out that most of the apostles weren't in the book of Acts because they weren't in the area that this book was written. The Christian tradition indicates that most of the apostles soon left Jerusalem after Pentecost to travel to the different lands of the world. We read through Christian tradition that they went to Africa, Asia, Europe, Eastern Europe, Italy, India, and Egypt, and beyond. So the gospel truly did go through them. Let's continue our study as we read Acts uh, chapter 11, 19 to 24. And the scripture says, So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, made their way to Phoenicia and to Cyprus and to Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. And again, remember the gospel began to spread because of persecution, but again, the Jewish believers simply stayed within their own culture and did not reach beyond their own culture. Verse 20, but there were some of them, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks and preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived... And witnessed the grace of God, 
he rejoiced and began to encounter those all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Amen. So again, we read that the gospel begins to spread because of Stephen's persecution. There was an outrage against this Christian sect, and so great persecution happened. So the natural thing was that people would leave Israel, leave Jerusalem, and go to different areas of the world. And with them, of course, they wanted to share the story of Jesus and what Jesus had done and who he was to them, but they remained faithful to the Jewish people and really didn't reach out to the other peoples of the world. I want you to notice something. When times get difficult, when pressure comes upon upon the church of Jesus Christ, it explodes. If you look at the church for the first three centuries before Constantine uh, made it a Christian religion, was the official religion of the Roman Empire, the church spread very quickly. There's just maps of how persecution was then the seed of the martyrs just spread the gospel rapidly through the world. And after Christianity became the official religion of the Roman world, we find that the spread really stopped and religion just started to grow. But the effectiveness of the gospel stopped. So family, we also look at China. In China, they've tried to suppress the church for years, and they found that the underground church in China is just vast. It just continues to grow. So when we're living in difficult times, yeah, it's difficult. But we have the words of truth. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that gospel, that gospel in times of darkness brings great light. The word says when darkness increases, grace superabounds. And for you and I, as we push forward with the truth that we have, it's time to share the gospel. And they found through the persecution of Stephen that the gospel spread rapidly. But again, for the Jewish believers of the church in Jerusalem, Pretty much it was just among Jewish people. So now we're going to move into the text where the gospel begins to explode among the Gentile people. They hear the words of grace and truth, the lordship of Jesus, his death for them, and they're going to respond to this. So the gospel spreads rapidly in Antioch. Antioch is about, was in a Syrian community, and it was about 250 miles north of Jerusalem. It was the third largest Roman city. It had over a half a million people, and it also had a very large Jewish community. They say from one of the gates to the other gates, the main street was over four miles long. So it's a huge community, very fruitful community, a place of business and politics, but also a place for people that were very hungry for spiritual truth and they were ready to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Jewish believers from Cyprus and Cyrene noticed something, that they weren't apostles. And sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that if we're not an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, teacher, we can't do the work of the ministry. Absolutely not. It is those offices that equip us as the family of God to be able to minister the truths of the gospel and effectively care for other people. So with that, these people 
they broke the religious barrier between the Jews and the Greeks, and they began to preach that Jesus was the Lord. And they had signs and wonders that confirmed the gospel. We are a people that move in signs and wonders, and those signs and wonders confirm the truth that we're speaking. It is not just for us to experience in the church. Yes, Jesus heals. Yes, Jesus delivers. Yes, Jesus releases his power and his presence, but it is far beyond that, family. It is signs and wonders to confirm the truth that we speak. And so as we take that into the marketplace with the gospel, God heals, God saves, God delivers, God sets the captives free, and it declares this truth. And it's what these men did, the believers in the Lord. They took the gospel to the world around them and many lives were saved. And it says that the hand of the Lord was on them, thus the work of God was being confirmed by the supernatural works of the Spirit. And so in this, the church of Jerusalem hears this, and it's like, what's going on? I want you to notice something. They sent Barnabas, which is a great choice, because Barnabas and Saul or Paul are going to go out and evangelize the world. But you would think that they would have sent an apostle. They didn't send an apostle. They sent Barnabas. Barnabas was a Levite. The Levites were the ones that cared for the temple. They were also a priest. And tradition says that Barnabas was a priest. So he knew the word well, and he knew the authority of Scripture. He lived in that, and he lived in the purity of the law. But it says that he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, with a steadfast heart. And the word Barnabas, it's just he was an encourager. He was one that brought comfort. He was one that challenged. He was one that encouraged and built people up and shared the truth of the Lord. And so it says that he began to challenge the Gentiles with the truth and about the Lord Jesus Christ. He ministered to them. He saw the moving of the Spirit and followed them and allowed people to come to know Jesus through his ministry. And he and the church saw many people come to the Lord. In other words, there was an outpouring. What was the outpouring? Seeing the hunger, seeing the need, seeing the people. Jesus said, look, the fields are white to harvest. And he went out and began to minister the truth to them discipling them, teaching them in the things of the Lord and who they were as Christians. And then the truth spread like wildfire. Let's go on and read verses 25 through 30 in our text. And the text says, And he left for Tarsus and looked for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Let's stop there for just a moment. I want you to notice something. Where did Barnabas go? The center of the church was in Jerusalem, but he didn't go there. He went and found Saul. And Saul, remember, was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He had a heart for the people. He was well-learned. He knew the scriptures. And Barnabas needed somebody to come and support and help teach the Gentiles and confirm their faith and who they were in Jesus and what the Word of God said about them and who they were and what they were to do. And so the culture of the Jerusalem church again was against the Gentile movement. 
but Paul was not. And so it says that Barnabas went searching for Saul. He didn't know where he was. He had to look high and low to find him. But when he found him, he brought him back with him so they could minister together as a team. And family, remember this. The kingdom of God is not built on one person's ministry, but it's always built on the ministry of a team. We are a family. We do ministry. We do life. We move in miracles together. And so they ministered and they taught the church for an entire year. And it says, and many people's lives were touched. The followers, then it says, of the Jesus were first called Christians in this place. And uh, first called Christians in Antioch. And that, again, was a begin of a separation between the Jewish faith, because they were just of the way, they were considered a sect of Judaism, and now there's going to begin to be a separation between Judaism and Christianity, and they are called Christians. And it was most likely by the people that were in Antioch that were calling them Christians, and it meant they were like Christ-like or Christ-followers. And some of it could have been a condescending term, but also there was some of great respect because they lived, they acted, they moved, they cared like Jesus cared. They were little Christs, and they reflected the very nature of the one that had saved them. And family, that's something that I long for, that people truly realize that I'm a follower of Jesus, and they see Jesus in my life. Let's read the concluding three verses. And the text says, Now at this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would be certainly a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that all of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders in Jerusalem. <clears throat> So the concluding thoughts of this section is prophets come down to minister to the church of Antioch from Jerusalem. Remember, he always come down from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of God, and so he always come down from that. And then Agabus prophesied that there would be a worldwide famine during Claudius's rule. Claudius was uh, the emperor of Rome from 41 to 54 A.D., and uh, history tells us that there was a famine from 45 to 48 A.D. Now you would think, as they heard this prophecy, the natural tendency for us is to hoard. A famine is coming. We've got to save our food. We've got to save our money so that we care for ourselves and our family and preserve our lives. But I want you to notice something in this. It says that they, the believers, the disciples, those that followed Jesus, the Greek believers, took up an offering and saved money to send to the support of the people that lived in Judea. Because again, the Christians in Judea were not able to support themselves because they had been disowned by the Jewish people. They could not get jobs. They could not care for their families. They needed outside support. 
Let me say it this way. Those that had suppressed them, those who were suppressed, gave to the suppressors. They cared for them. They loved them with the love of the Lord, even though that they had not want to send the gospel to them. They cared for them out of their own means. And during the time of need, they lived by faith, they gave to others, and they trusted that the Lord would be the one that meets their needs. Isn't that the call that you and I have today? Is to trust Jesus and to love people even when they speak evil or even when they don't share with us. We share back with them the love of Christ because we realize the source for our lives, our protection, our comfort, our care, our food, our needs are all met by the living one day to day. Maybe not beforehand, but he is a miraculous Lord. Let's conclude our time together with our application. And here's how the text has challenged me. And I pray that it challenges all of us as a people and challenges even our biases and what we think. First, Peter was challenged about his actions. He um, was brought into a court hearing. All he did was just simply obey Jesus and do what the Holy Spirit was asking him to do. And there was a great response. People were saved filled with the Spirit before he could even go through the motions. It was a powerful time. He saw the hand of God and the love of God for all people. But he's brought into this court and challenged about his behavior because he didn't keep the ceremonial law. But notice, he didn't get angry, but he was respectful, and he shared what Jesus had done. He just simply reiterated what the Holy Spirit had said, and what the Holy Spirit did through his life. This is how it challenged me. We have been called to be witnesses of our Lord, his words and his work in every situation that we live. We could be as Peter, and then we could get challenged by this, and we could begin to get bitter, and we begin to hold back with the truth that Jesus has given us. Or again, we can allow the love of Christ to soften our hearts, and to not get offended, but simply share the truth of what Jesus has done and Jesus has said. Our second application point, the Jews had a cultural block (coughs) and they overlooked the Gentiles. They believed that everyone had to be just like them to be saved. And isn't that such a Western tradition We have what we believe that is true of Christianity, right wing, whatever we believe. We believe that everybody has to look the same as us, believe the same as us. But that is so far from the truth of the variety, the multitudes of cultures that God has created in this earth. And the challenge for me, again, is that we have the great commission to fulfill. We don't have time to argue about small things. For me, The Lord just keeps telling me, turn the TV off. Don't listen to that which would try to destroy faith. Believe in me and do what I've called you to do. Fulfill the Great Commission. You see, we are called to all people and all nations. And family, we are called to this city. And if God calls us to this city, then there is an anointing and there is an empowerment for us to see the work of God move through our community and our surrounding state. We can be overcome by evil, 
and the challenges that come. Or we can overcome evil with good and simply live out and do what Jesus has called us to do instead of allowing our cultural biases and blocks to be formed in our heart and life. The third way that this uh, scripture has challenged me is the gospel was first preached to the Gentiles at Antioch. They obeyed Jesus and his command and reached out to people that were different from them. You know, the thing that I love about our community is it's so quickly changing. On the street that I live, there are so many different cultures. There's probably at least 10 different cultures that are on the street that I live. And that's the community that you and I live in. And we all have our different political views. We all have our different cultural views. But we all have one thing in common, that we're human. And we need salvation, and we need a God that will care for us and love us. We need eternal life with Jesus. And the way that this has challenged me is that uh, as they obeyed Jesus and his command, we need to build relationship with people and bring people to Jesus. We bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people in order that their lives will be saved and that they will know the same gospel as us. What brings this is we live the gospel and we love people from our heart instead of simply writing people off or being in the place of comfortable. I find a principle in my life that when I'm uncomfortable, I'm dependent. And when I'm dependent, the Holy Spirit fills me and uses me. And I find I'm very rarely comfortable. When I am comfortable, I need to look at my shoulder because something is coming in my life at least, I need to be uncomfortable but willing to serve the Lord. And it's in those times that the power of the Holy Spirit comes and transforms people's lives. We need to go to the peoples that are different than us, the peoples that hearts are soft soul and be soil and begin to share the gospel that God has given us and watch the move of God. Peter got to see the hand of God move. Paul and Barnabas and Paul got to see the Spirit of God move and people's lives changed and transformed. They got to share the word and watch the miracles of God and the church of Jesus grow. That's what God is calling us for a community at Northwest Church. We are to minister to the community and bring revival in. The last way that this has challenged me is the Gentiles give back to the Jews in Judea in the face of famine. And again, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love the people that despitefully use you. But again, I think part of it is in the time we live and the uncertainty we live, even with us, the temptation is for us to hoard, to protect ourselves, to protect our family. But we have to ask ourselves, who's our source? Are we the source or is Jesus the source? He's miraculous. We're human. Jesus is the source of our life. So we need to resist hoarding and use what Jesus gives us to touch other people. The bottom line of what we've been talking about is the church has moved from the Jewish community to the world around us. We have been called to be world Christians as we reach people for Jesus and Jesus, we bring Jesus to people. Family, I pray that the Lord would just touch our hearts for our community, soften our hearts, and that the Lord will just break off all that's happening around us and keep our focus on the kingdom of God, 
on his word, on the miraculous provision and care of our God as he breaks into the world in this time of darkness to expand his kingdom as never before. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this word. May this challenge us, Lord, that we may be world Christians and remember the great commission and what you have called us to do. Bless us, Lord, and empower us to bring your word and to bless all the peoples that live in our community and the world around us. Lord, grace us today, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written. 